Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed. Welcoming your phone calls and text messages. And you know we tend to get busy, so if you have a lawn and garden question, now's your chance. Call it in or text it in. Phone number 651-989-9226 and the text number, as that guy just said, is eight one eight zero seven? Julie Weisenhorn is back you hear with that us. Text as number promised. in your sleep. <laughs> it's true. Although one day, a few years ago, I think I mentioned this to you. I was giving the information text and the phone number, and I started giving my home number. <laughs> I didn't finish, fortunately. But uh, anyway, th- those are the numbers. You know, you've you, you've called them before. But uh, you brought uh, Professor John Trappy back with you. I did. So we yeah. have a turf expert yeah. here. Besides all the well. Julie's a turf expert. Too. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, not John, like John. John is, not John is like, the, don't. He's, the, he's our, our turf expert. I don't get that credit. So if you have a lawn or garden, I mean lawn or garden, today's your uh, and chance. And garden. Yeah. Yeah, do both. 651-989-9226. By the way, this show every week is brought to us by those good folks down in Jordan, Minnesota, make the best patio furniture in the whole world. It's called By the Yard. We'll talk about that. Thank you for your that. sponsorship. Yes, we appreciate that. Also, a family-run business of good, yeah. good taste. Yeah, good and taste. Local, they, local yes, folks. Yeah, I like that. Well, I know we're going to get questions, uh, <laughs> Julie and John, about. Um, in fact, I just saw one earlier that, that came in late last night for some reason. Oh, uh, can I still fertilize my lawn? Mm. Yeah, I would. I would avoid fertilizing your lawn right now. I think uh, plant uptake of the nutrients is not is going to be very slow, if anything at all. So. You'd be better off just waiting until the spring. What is, you know, and you see the products in the stores called winter winterizer, winter fertilizer. Is, is there a difference between something you, you could put in the spring and then the, the, what's the deal with that? Typically, the old school thought with that was to, to uh, apply a little bit more potassium in the fall. Try to put the grass to sleep is, was the thinking, is that because uh, potassium helps with plant stress and um, Typically, those winterizers have more potassium. They also have a little bit more urea fertilizer, which is for faster uptake of the nitrogen. But I, quite frankly, there isn't really that big of a difference between a winterizer okay. and, and a normal fertilizer. It's marketing, probably. It could be a springerizer, a summerizer, and a winterizer. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> Fallerizer. All right. By the way, if you want to send a text, 81807. I overseeded my lawn this fall, Texter says. Should I avoid putting a pre-emergent down in the spring? Yes, I would uh, certainly avoid uh, if I would certainly avoid putting down a pre-emergent herbicide because that would uh, inhibit the, the seeds that you did seed this fall from germinating and emerging themselves. All right, very good, makes sense. Let's go back to the phones. Gene and Kenyon is first up here. Gene, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. 
I have an apple tree. I did not plant this apple tree. We've lived here for <laughs> 46 years. All right. I have. And uh, this uh, thing was growing there about less than 10 feet from a great big soft maple tree. Okay. Nobody would plant an apple tree there. <laughs> <laughs> and for quite a while, I thought it was a wild uh, plum tree because we had a lot of them out in the woods. Okay. But uh, it grew. Nothing ever happened. Never saw any fruit or anything. And all of a sudden, in 2004, shortly after my husband passed away, I looked out, saw kind of a red, little bit of red around the back of this uh, soft maple tree. And I thought later on the day, I went out on my mobility scooter, and lo and behold, I had 14 apples. Whoa! How about that? Well, I, I tell you what, Gene. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I know... Uh, Wait, talk about that's patience. You know, really that's an investment is. into a plant. Well, it, you know, it could be that somebody nearby planted a, a crab apple or another apple tree, and it, you just happen to be getting some cross pollination. Maybe that wasn't the case prior to that, or maybe your husband had something to do with it. Yeah, that could be. Uh, interesting story, Gene. That's Thank great. you. Great, great story. Texter wants to know what happened to my autumn blaze maple trees this year. They started out changing, then all of a sudden the leaves just all turned brown, no color. So autumn blaze maple uh, that started changing and then turned brown and no color, and yeah. it looks like it changed early in the season? Sounds like it. That <clears throat> that would be stress. Uh, that would be stress-related. And um, and that's a case with maples a lot of times. Maples like to grow in very pretty rich, organic, uh, moist, cool soil, a little bit acidic, and we plant them in our urban environments, and it's clay and heavy and it's hot, and we plant grass underneath them. No offense, John. And uh, <laughs> uh, the problem is is it stresses them out. And when you start to see a maple that changes early in the season or like in the summer, you'll start to see color in the you know July or August, and the leaves start to dry. Uh, it's, it's a tree that's under stress, and it's affected by a number of different things at that point. But that's probably the case in this, in, uh, this issue. Okay. Uh, back to the phones we go. Donna is calling from Northfield. Donna, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Good morning. I'm wondering if it's okay to cut our peonies down. We put leaves over the flower bed. Okay. Can I cut those down now or should I wait till spring? Well, if they're still really nice dark green, uh, you mm-hmm. could take the approach that they're still photosynthesizing. But I'll tell you what, after we get to these 30 and 32 degree weather, yeah, you can go ahead and cut them down because they're going to fall down at that point. So, yes, you can cut them down. Okay, very good. Norma is calling from St. James with a question. Norma, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What can we I do for have, you? I um... Three fire, um, no, honey crisp apple trees. Okay. They're young trees, but they produce. Great. But they end up with nubbins, deformed apples. Oh, sure. And um, I am told possibly because there is a cedar evergreen, a big cedar evergreen nearby. Could that have be the? Could that be the problem? No, see, uh, cedars are hosts for cedar apple rust, and that uh, displays itself on leaves as little orange, rusty-colored spots. Um, and uh, so that's a different issue. That's not going to cause any issues with uh, with your apples. The apples sound to me like you have apple maggots, 
Mm-hmm. Apple maggots are a fly. Uh, the adult fly lays its eggs in the young apples, and it, and mm-hmm. uh, larvae hatches. That egg hatches, and the larvae will tunnel through the apples and create this bumpy apple. We have an excellent publication on our extension site about it that will give you some options for management of apple maggots. Very common. And uh, you can find that on our extension site at extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden, go to the fruit section. And there's a section on pest management in apples. There's also some other excellent apple information, including some videos on pruning apple trees. So those of you listening, uh, in addition to our caller, uh, who have apple trees, winter's the time to prune. And Annie Claude, our uh, extension uh, fruit and vegetable educator, did three videos on pruning last year, and they're really, really helpful. She did it with Dave Bedford, who's one of our apple breeders. So take a look at those. But if you have those bumpy apples, you have apple maggots, and you're going to want to look at that publication. Uh, by the way, if you, again, if you're just joining us, uh, John Trappy's back with us, our turf expert. Woo-hoo! If you uh, have a lawn question, now is your chance. <laughs> Speaking of which, Texter says this, John, is there, anything I, is there anything I should do to prepare my lawn for winter if you have a large dogs, <laughs> uh, yeah, I that's a good question. I think if you have large dogs, I would just uh, just do exactly what you did all the rest of the year. There's not much else that you can do other than maybe avoid, uh, you know, kind of change where they're uh, going to the bathroom. You know, throughout the winter, you can you can probably try to do that. But otherwise, I wouldn't do much else. I wish you guys have mentioned from time to time if there's a way to teach the dog to do a. a <laughs> On, on, on yeah, mulch. like in mulch or mulch, something. Yeah. yeah, if you can train your dogs to do that, if that's a can, good practice. Yeah. But, you know, there isn't really much to do about dog spots, is there? There's a lot of research about that. Yeah, there's there's been several efforts at, about trying to uh, trying to limit the the burn that comes mm-hmm. from their urine. But but quite honestly, Special there's, food other and... than training them, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. I have, Texture says, several tree stumps. How do I keep them from sprouting? Well, uh, you can grind them out. That would be a good uh, good start. Um, tree stumps are difficult because a lot goes on underground, and you're not privy to that. <laughs> uh, mushrooms will pop up where trees are, uh, where roots are are breaking down. Um, but if they're sprouting, you can um, you can, I'd grind them down. That'd be the first thing that I would do. But um, if not, uh, certainly treating them with um, you know cutting it and then treating them with some kind of a brush killer would be another option too. All right. I know we have to break here, but before we do, you and I mentioned, uh, Julie, that there's going to be a benefit, another benefit, that year, another year has yeah. gone by. Tell us about that because you and your group yeah. are going to be playing. So the Abiders will be the band at, uh, we have a, a, a great event called the West Tonka Brewery, uh, Tonka Brew Fest. And uh, it features about 20 breweries and cideries from around Minnesota. It's out at Gale Woods Farm on November 3rd in Minnetrista. And the money that's raised goes to our Mound West Tonka Rotary. They do amazing things in communities, not only just in the West Tonka community, but also beyond. And this is the sixth year they've held this event. It sells out, so you want to get your tickets. You can just go to TonkaBrewFest.org. And then we're also having a benefit for our uh, dear friend and bass and banjo player, Gary uh, Kobus, Gary is a Wright County Master Gardener. He's a beekeeper. He grows amazing peppers, and he's a darn good musician, nice guy to boot. And uh, that is going to be on November 18th in Delano. And I've got information about that posted on my uh, Facebook page, so you can just find me on Facebook. Good. 
Sounds like, and you get a chance yeah. to hear the abiders. Yeah, and we'll be playing at both of those. All right, good. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> by the way, yeah, all right. Thanks, Julie. Hang on, we're going to be uh, having more Lawn and Garden Talk as we move through this hour here. So if you have a question, call it in or text it in uh, and to Julie and John this morning. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, Lawn and Garden Talk this morning. In studio uh, with us is... Julie Weisenhorn, if you're just joining us. Good morning. Us. And uh, also John Trappy, who is our turf expert this morning. Turf dude. John, uh, with us once again. So if you do have a lawn question, by all means, uh, send it to us either by phone or by text. Um, we have, as you noticed, Julie, a bunch of questions about hydrangeas. Yeah. There's one, should I cut back my hydrangea tree? What are the, some of the other questions so, they want to know? So a hydrangea, right now, pruning shrubs, what happens is that when you make a cut on a, a shrub, we're trying to get our shrubs to go into dormancy, right? Then we need to make them last through the winter and survive. So we don't really want to monkey with them a whole lot right now. And that includes pruning. Uh, when you prune a plant, it, it forces the plant to put out new growth. And if we do get like a period of pretty warm weather, we may possibly get some new growth that won't harden off in time for, for winter and will ultimately be killed by winter. And so right now, just refrain from pruning your shrubs. And um, uh, so that includes both hydrangea trees. You want to just wait on that. And then also with your hydrangeas, uh, the shrubs, the shrub form. And just enjoy the winter interest that they provide. They have flower heads, those brown kind of tannish flower heads are on them. Some of them is still a little bit rosy colored. Just enjoy those through the winter. We have very little plants that offer a yeah, whole lot true. of, you know, substantial interest in the landscape. And so uh, hydrangeas are one of those plants. It's just terrific for winter interest. So I would just wait in the spring when you uh, start to see the buds uh, get larger, the leaf buds, then you want to go ahead and prune that plant back to a size that, uh, you know, is, is manageable, to a size that uh, to get the form nice and rounded or a nice form that you like. That's the time to do it. And uh, some people have asked about the endless summer, what to do about that, that they had trouble with the blooms. Um, there's good information. Actually, I'm going to refer you to the Bailey Nurseries website about Endless Summer. They are the premier, that's one of their premier brands. It's one of the largest brands. I just heard this the other day from uh, Ryan McInerney, who's one of the owners, that that's one of the, Endless Summer brand is one of the largest brands of hydrangeas in the world, maybe the largest. And um, and so go ahead and go to their website, and they are the experts on that, I have to say. But uh, you don't really have to do anything special to protect uh, your hydrangeas in the winter. You could pile some leaves around it just to kind of keep that crown protected, but it's really not, um, it's a pretty tough plant, okay. our hydrangeas. Uh, John, there's a text that says, should I overseed? Uh, I'm not sure before I plug it. I'm not sure what that means. But the question is, is bluegrass a good choice for overseeding in southern Minnesota? So uh, uh, Kentucky bluegrass is a, a, is a, a very well-adapted grass for southern Minnesota and overseeding it, if you wanted to increase uh, increase the the coverage of the lawn or or increase the quality of the lawn, overseeding would certainly be up doing that. Okay. Texture says I had brown patch disease earlier this fall, and I applied something that was recommended by a garden store. It stopped the progression, but the spots remained. Will they still be there in the spring, or will the normal grass come back without doing anything further? So I would, I would. Uh, there's two things that would uh, make me question whether or not it would come back. One would be which lawn species do you have? If it's Kentucky bluegrass, it's probably going to spread in by the rhizomes. And the other question is, is well, how big are the patches? 
if they're uh, you know more than a foot or so uh, in diameter, then then maybe you should be thinking about reseeding those areas. But one other comment that I could make about this brown patch is that it's a soil-borne pathogen, so it's in your soil. It's always going to be there. So uh, just you know, keep your expectations tame there, and uh, and just know that you may be getting it again in the future. And one of my colleagues this last week asked me in the hallway, "How often uh, should you uh, aerate your lawn here in this neck of the woods?" Uh, how often? I would. I, so aeration, what aeration really helps with is soil compaction. And if you have more traffic on the lawn, I would consider, uh, say, if you're a, a small, you know, young family and you have a lot of kids playing the lawn, then I would be aerating every year. Uh, but if it's, you know, if you if your lawn doesn't receive very much traffic, then uh, then you could stretch that out to every two or three or four okay. years even. Right, so good. I have a question about aeration. We have a tiny lawn. So are there different kinds of aerators that you can rent or... Yes, there there are certainly um, aerators that you can rent in most equipment rental places, and typically they run around uh, eighty, a hundred dollars, something like that for for the day. Uh, and the what you would want to do if you're going to aerate yourself, you want to use rent a core aerator. That's where they plug. That's where they pull plugs of the soil, and that's what you see on the soil at the end of the day. Uh, that's going to be the mo- be the most effective at removing the compaction. Right. Julie says, "Don't don't try the golf shoe trick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Those definitely do worse. not work." <laughs> okay, all right. all right, stand by, guys. We're going to take our uh, break. And good morning, welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Around every Saturday in the eight o'clock hour, brought to us by our friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture. Good morning. If you're just joining us, uh, Julie Wazenhorn in studio along with John Trappy. We're talking lawns and gardens. Yes. John is back with us today. So if you do have a specifically a lawn question. This is your day. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Julie and John, we have callers. We have texters. Let's awesome. put you back to work. Jerry is calling from St. Paul. Jerry, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm going to be doing some dormant seating in my backyard. I've got about, well, maybe 300 square feet, 10 by 30 feet. And uh, I'm just wondering uh, what... Two questions for you. What are my chances of success with dormant seeding? And then the second question is, should I cover the seed with straw or peat moss or some other kind of covering to protect the seed over the winter? Uh, uh, Jerry, dormant seeding can be very effective uh, at, a, uh, at trying to establish an area from, from seed. Uh, it, it can be quite effective. So I think your chances of success in that area should be pretty high. Um, I, and as far as covering that seed, uh, I would I would question if, whether or not you're dormant seeding into a bare area. If it's bare soil, I would consider covering it. Um, but if it's if there's already existing lawn, or even if the the lawn that you had there was dead and you have some kind of residue and not bare soil, then you could probably just leave it as it is. Uh, leave the seed and uh, snow, rain, and things like that will work the seed down uh, to the soil. Mm, all right, thank you, Jerry. Uh, let's go to Glenwood. Arlen has been waiting there with a question. Arlen, what's your question? Yes, I've got two plum trees and an apple tree that I planted about 15 years ago. And I got them through a, a uh, catalog okay. uh, deal. And uh, they have never flowered except for one year one of them did flower, the plum tree. What I'm And they're in shade. And what I'm wondering, can I take a small backhoe, and dig them up around 
and replant them somewhere else where they would possibly I've got two apple trees somewhere else where sure. they they do uh flower. Yeah. Yes, you can re I think you could replant them. It dep- they're 15 years old and it I think it's more of a logistics question and you want to be sure that you're yeah, you're using some big equipment. Uh you could use a tree spade. You could have them tree spaded out as well. But yes, they're probably not blooming cuz they're in the shade. Uh and uh and that would certainly help to move them into a, a sunnier spot. Okay. Thank you, Arlen. Uh, let's see. Before we grab some text messages, Bill is calling from Blaine with a question. Bill, we're all listening. Hey, good morning. morning. Uh, so I have a beautiful ash tree in my front yard surrounded with lava rock, and I got some plants and flowers surrounding it. And uh, every summer, little ash trees sprout up from the ground, and they grow much, much better than any of my <laughs> grass or anything. Is there any way to treat that with anything? I cut them down like four or five times a summer. Yeah, so if they are just seedlings coming from the ash seed, you just want to mow them down or just cut them down. Uh, and once you cut off those first couple leaves, if you get on them early enough in the season when they're first uh, leafing out, then they're not going to re-leaf out. You've taken care of those seedlings. If they are sprouting from the base of the tree, then uh, all you need to do is just keep cutting them off at this point. There wouldn't be anything I could recommend to treat those. Um, so, uh, yeah, so just mow them if they're seedlings that are sprouting from new seed or just trim them off of the stump or the trunk. Texter says this, by the way, text number is 81807. I want to prune an old maple tree. It's dormant now. Can I prune it now? I've read that it's best to wait until late winter to do so. Yeah, it's not dormant yet. Um, It may have lost its leaves, but it's still moving into dormancy. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we just want to hold off on pruning woody plants until they are truly dormant. Uh, Late winter, winter time is a great time to prune trees uh, for the most part uh, because you can see what issues you have, narrow crotches and crossing branches. Uh, You can see the canopy and think about opening it up for more sunlight to reach it and more airflow to go through the canopy. Uh, You can see the form of the tree a lot easier than you can with leaves. And you're also pruning at a time when any disease or pest issues is really going to be almost zero at that point. So um, uh, it's better to wait until winter to do any pruning like that. Okay. A texter says this, is it possible to grow dwarf peach or pear trees indoors next to the west-facing windows? Will I need two of each as a pollinator? Well, I would not recommend that. Uh, These trees need to go through uh, cold periods, go through a winter period, and they are just not going to grow well indoors. They're not meant to grow indoors. They're plants that are meant to grow outside. And even in Minnesota, we have people who have success with growing peaches outside. And uh, and as far as having two, if you were to, you'd have to hand pollinate those plants indoors and it's just not recommended. It's best to plant them out in the landscape where they can go through their normal cycles. How soon after grinding out a tree stump can we plant a new tree? Well, that's a great question, and I think it depends on um, how big the stump is, how much uh, sawdust is left in the soil. That sawdust is carbon, and it is going to suck up an awful lot of nitrogen around it. So uh, I would recommend moving the you know moving ten feet away from that site if possible, or, um, you know, a little ways away from it. It's also going to, whether you can even dig in the soil, because they grind the stumps out, but there's still roots that are left in there. 
And uh, so I would move to a different spot, uh, somewhere where you can actually dig a sufficiently large hole, and you're not going to have that carbon that's going to be surrounding those uh, roots. We had that question about um, dog spots earlier, and we always get, as Julie knows, John, uh, we get suggestions, good ones, from our listeners. You can train your, here's a suggestion, uh, you can train your dog to avoid dog spots, and I always snow blow a path in the yard for our dog. The trail will get your dog in the right direction. Good idea. At least during the winter, when all the snow is gone, the dog may have other ideas. Path of least resistance. Yeah, exactly. How do I protect my evergreens against winter burn? Water, 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 water. We can still water. Our soil is not frozen. And those evergreens, if you think about the needles, they have to hold on to those throughout the winter. And uh, watering them very well until you can't water anymore is the best defense against winter burn. Also planting the plants in a good location if they're a... Uh, you or something like that, they're usually, uh, it's best recommended to, that they plant on the north side out of the sun, but the rest of them are full sun plants. But watering is the number one uh, way to get your plants to survive through the winter. A texture says, I had to have a new well drilled in my backyard this week. The heavy equipment left ruts and compacted the lawn where they drove. How do I get rid of the ruts and soil compaction, John? Well, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, the airification is, is one of the only ways that you can do that. Something else you could do is potentially, uh, after, after attempting to airify, would be to top dress with some topsoil uh, and try to level out where those ruts are. Um, but that's, uh, that's something that you, uh, you want to take care of probably either uh, you know, later this fall once the ground freezes or earlier this spring. Okay. Before we break, let's go to the phones. Paul is calling from Hudson with a question. Paul, what's your question? Good morning. Morning. I have uh, a lawn that's uh, surrounded by large pine trees. Actually, I'm in a pine woods, so I get plenty of pine pollen every spring. And I have a couple areas that have a heavy moss coming up through the grass. My question on on this part is lime. Uh, I put lime down. It seems to help control it, but I'm wondering if I'm putting enough lime, and can I put lime on yet this year? The second question I have relates to fungicide. Can I still put a fungicide down to help avoid snow mold? And my final question uh, is on bumps. I have what seems like hundreds of uh, bumps coming out of lawn, like like almost like worms maybe made a, a little mound. And I don't know if there's anything for that, or should I just get a heavy roller and roll it? What do you guys think of those questions? So re- regarding the the lime and the moss, the moss is going to be a continuous problem there. That's an indication of, of high shade. So, you know, that's just something that you may may want to consider correcting there if, you, you know, if, if you'd like to try to meet the problem head on. Uh, so uh, regarding timing of liming, uh, you can... You can apply lime now, but because uh, but, uh, you're, you're effectively doing that for the soil pH. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think, I, I think any time is great, but I, I would try to time that around uh, some kind of rainfall event. Uh, the fungicide for snow mold uh, right now is, is, uh, is certainly a good time to be applying the fungicide for snow mold as a preventative treatment for that. Um, and regarding the bumps from the worm, uh, worms or the worm castings, uh, that's something that uh, if you have a uh, sometimes they make like a roller attachment for for mowers uh, that that could help do that uh, you know that could help smooth out those bumps but uh, 
but otherwise you could rent a roller itself uh, and try to try to address those problems. But you could do that now, or you could do it in the springtime as well. That's with those bumps, kind of hard to mow. If if you've got a if I could uh that that would be quite the problem if it yeah, is affecting mowing. That's true. All right, uh, we have to take a quick break. We have more show to come. Uh, either call it in or text it in as usual. Forty five is our Twin City temperature reading going for fifty five. And good morning, welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have well, we have callers, we have textures, we have Julie Weisenhorn <laughs> and John Trappy in the studio. You know, you, the three of us were talking about uh, earlier about just lawn care and maybe some tips as we head into the fall and winter, John. What do you think? So three th- three big things of concern is uh, the leaf litter from uh, from deciduous trees that are uh, leaves are falling right now. So I would just I would try to mulch if possible, but if you end up getting more than, uh, say, 20% cover of the grass, then I would consider bagging the, bagging the, those leaves and composting them off-site. Uh, uh, regarding lawn height, a lot of times we get questions this time of year about, should I be lowering the lawn height? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think you can be taking the lawn height down a little bit. That can certainly help. Uh, I would take it down somewhere around two to three inches. Okay. Uh, but, but not really any lower than that. I think that I think you can actually to do some harm there, especially if you do it too fast this time of year. The, f- the third and final thing is if you do have an in-ground irrigation system, uh, at this point you should be uh, blowing it out and trying to remove the water from the lines because if you, know, if you do get water freezing, that would be uh, just more costly, expensive irrigation fixes. There. You're seeing that all over the place and this, yeah. the spray is coming out of the And if you have rain barrels out there, I have a number of rain barrels. And uh, so one of the things to do about that is certainly you want to be emptying those. Um, you can dump, you can drain them out into trees, tree areas or shrubs. It's a great way to water your evergreens real quickly. And then you want to clean your rain barrels with a 10% bleach solution. You can use a, an unused toilet brush. That works real well because you can get your arm in there. And scrub that out uh, to eliminate any kind of algae that might have accumulated over the summer. Same with the hose that you have uh, for watering. You want to clean that out as well. Okay. We have some textures regarding uh, grass seed, which we'll get to. But Daryl is calling from Lake Elmo with a question. Daryl, what is your question? Yes, uh, you can help my husband and I uh, solve an ongoing debate. He's listening as he's driving, Uh so this will be a humorous for him. Um, We planted some arborvitae um, this past summer and we're wondering how much to water is that the same as evergreens or can you overwater arborvitae and drown them well that is an excellent question and um it depends on your soil if you live in a sandy soil environment then you would water it more often if you have clay soil though like many of us in the metro area at least uh then you would uh you would want to feel that soil and then water as needed but easier than that is uh, on our extension website under uh, watering trees and shrubs. We have an excellent publication. We have two publications. One is on watering newly planted trees, and one is on watering existing existing uh, plants, existing trees. And it gives you guidelines for determining how much water your plant needs. Now, as we're going into into the winter. Uh, we, you know, depending on rainfall, if we don't get rain for a while and things are dry, then you definitely want to be plant watering those trees. And if they're large uh, arborvitae, I don't think you can overwater them. If they're small and young, then you can just, you know, I would just feel that soil. And as it's, you know, the top few inches are getting dry, 
then you want to go ahead and water those. Remember that shrubs and trees have most of their roots in about the top 18 inches of the soil. Uh, They don't have very deep roots in a lot of cases, and those roots spread out horizontally across the soil. So uh, watering is really important. That that top soil layer will dry out faster, of course, than the deeper soil. Hmm, I hope that settled the argument. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, water. (laughs) And thank Daryl for calling. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Texture says this, uh, John, can grass seed be saved over winter to use in the spring? Love the show. Listen every week. Thank you for that. What about grass seed? How 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 you know I've seen in my garage. Wait a minute, how long have I had this grass <laughs> right, seed? Right. How long can you save it? Uh grass seed grass seed can be saved for several years uh depending on the conditions that it's saved in. You want cool and dry uh for grass seed. Uh really for any seed, uh quite frankly, but uh but for grass seed, you'll just the the germination rates or the germination percentages will just go down over time. Uh, but certainly you can save them for one year, uh, and you should you should have very good uh, seed in the springtime as long as they're cool and dry. Okay. We talked about dormant seeding. Texter wants to know when should one dormant seed. I still have leaves that will fall and need to be raked. How late can I dormant seed? When's the best That's time of question. year? Yeah. Dormant seeding should be done uh, when the soil is frozen, where you know you're not going to get any more germination. Uh, but uh, but any time... From say let's let's say middle of November, typically on a normal year, uh, middle of November, all the way up until uh, uh, right after the ground thaws, uh, you could be wow. that would still be considered a dormant seeding. So uh, any time in that time frame would work, depending on snow. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Don't do not, over- snow. Don't do over- not overseed snow. <laughs> <On> snow. <laughs> Please talk about pruning raspberries. When to do? How low to cut? Etc. Oh, good question. So raspberries. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, so raspberries are pruned in the summer or in the spring. I'm sorry, in the spring, and it's kind of like what I explained with the uh, with the hydrangeas. You can cut those raspberries back uh, now. You can probably cut them back a little bit um, just to get them out of the way. A lot of the canes are very long, um, but uh, cut them back to about two three feet long. And then in the spring, as those buds start to open and start to uh, burst, then you want to trim them back to a, a manageable height. Usually, it's a a couple of feet, I think, 18 to 24 inches. And it's also an opportunity when there are no leaves on those canes is to clean up and remove any dead canes. In other words, the in most cases, they're the canes that were productive last year. And they easily pull right out of the ground. And raspberries are big feeders, so you'll also want to fertilize in the spring and then mulch the raspberries as well. We have about a minute to go, guys. And for those that never heard the abiders and yeah. want to participate in this great benefit. Yeah, so we've got the West Tonka Brew. Uh, I keep saying that. The West Tonka Rotary is hosting the Tonka Brew Fest, and we are playing at it November 3rd out at Galewoods Farm in Minnetrista. You can get tickets on tonkabrewfest.org. And also be sure, if you didn't get your question answered, to visit our extension website, and that is at extension.umn.edu, and go to Yard and Garden. All right, before you guys leave, and uh, John, uh, we have a couple of texts. How to get rid of bent grass in parts of my lawn? Uh, there's one herbicide in particular, other than a non-selective herbicide like glyphosate, uh, the, the herbicide that you do want that would selectively remove uh, bent gr- creeping bent grass from Kentucky bluegrass, fine fescue, or tall fescue is called uh, mesotrione, is the active ingredient, the the uh, trade name is called Tenacity, but Mesotrione is what uh, would work for that. 
And Julie, let's for one more time, let's give the university's website. Yeah, please. so it's extension.umn.edu. Go to the yard and garden page, and you'll find all sorts of information. The person who asked about raspberries, there's great information on fruits and vegetables, flowers, trees, shrubs, watering, lawn care, all sorts all of things. All that good stuff. Yep. It's good to good see stuff. you both again. Yeah, Thanks so much. See we'll see you down Hope the road. See you at the Brewfest. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.